Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. How you doing over there? I'm definitely starting to feel better. (laughs) I have to tell you, I know it was rough for a few days there, but I honest to God, I'm not just saying this. You sound so much better today. I hope so. I feel better. I mean, it was, it was really touching over there for a minute. I felt very, very sick for the last couple of days, but I'm feeling okay today. Comparatively speaking from when we went on last night to try and like, there was just no voice. I feel like we're in a new world. I do too. And I'm so glad because I don't think my voice could have been listened to. I'm feeling a little insecure about my voice being listened to on this episode still, but I guess I have to hold on to the comparatively. Yes, totally. Totally. I mean, we were off last week, so we can start wherever you want. I would personally love to start with Don't Worry Darling. I would too. Although I do feel like it's a bold ask coming from you considering you were asleep for the entire movie. (laughs) I was awake for the first 40 minutes and I will not let you forget that, first of all. But second of all, I do think it's worth noting that we just somehow happened to go on opening night. Like we didn't do that intentionally. It's just how it happened. And there was a real feeling of enthusiasm within that theater, no? It felt like every single person who was in that theater was in on it. Yes, it felt like every single person had been watching and analyzing the Venice Film Festival footage in the way that we had. And not only that, but clips that had already gone viral from the movie on TikTok, it felt like everyone had seen and appreciated. So like moments in the movie that TikTok was laughing at, the theater would erupt in laughter. Yes. And also an experience that I was having while watching, which granted was only for the 40 minutes that I was awake, is that I guess I've really been consuming so much of the drama that when I saw Florence and Olivia interacting like cordially on screen. I was like, whoa, you guys talk? Like it really, really impacted the way that I was watching the movie, which to me was good because it wasn't my type of movie. So that actually added to it. But I wonder if for some people it actually took away from it. It's so funny you say that because I had that exact same reaction. And I also felt that way about Harry and Florence. I was like, are you sure you two don't want to be the one that are dating? I still feel that way. I'm sorry. It's been how many weeks since we've seen it. I still feel that way. I really get the Florence Pugh hype. Now, not to say that I didn't fully understand it before. I just, I guess, hadn't consumed her work in this way. I was blown away. Like she is a supreme talent in addition to being so stunningly beautiful to just watch. I'm obsessed with her. I really think I am. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Also, just to acknowledge the elephant in the room for a second, if you like this type of dystopian psychological thriller, I think that you'd probably really enjoy this and want to discuss it in a very intelligent way. I just don't really go to the movies to think in this way. I like a much more mindless watch. So it wasn't my thing, probably why I fell asleep. Also, why I'm not a fair judge to discuss it. But those few scenes of Harry going down on Florence did something to me. And I've been waiting for the safe space to kind of discuss it. I mean, those scenes changed me. Like as a woman, those scenes changed me. 
it's crazy because I've watched a lot of porn in my life. It's not like I haven't seen this type of thing on the big screen before, but there's just something about one, the hype leading up to it, two, knowing the current dynamics real life in terms of them as actors. And then just like watching Harry Styles do anything like that, it, it, it really took me out. Isabel was gripping you like her life depended on it. Yeah, you looked over at us and we were intertwined. I mean, I know this was a thought process that we had while stoned, but this still tracks to me talking about it a few weeks later. Obviously, they were acting and they were putting on a show, but it's still really Harry Styles. It's still really Florence Pugh. And so some of what they're doing, obviously, they were taking cues from their real life. Like, I have to imagine some of that, yeah, was what the director said, but it's also some of what Harry would just do naturally. And so that was kind of cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, cool to watch might be an understatement or like a very funny way of putting that. But yeah, it was. Like, I remember looking at them and being like, that's how Harry kisses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't fake it for the movie. He didn't change his technique. It was like, yeah, you could imagine that's what it would be like to be in bed with him. Like, that is a insane thing to walk away from a movie and experience because, listen— You can get so much out of a Harry Styles concert, of course, but you're never going to be able to see him in a way where you're like, oh, that's exactly how he would be in bed. But watching him in a movie, you absolutely can. I seriously felt like I was a little schoolgirl, though, when I was watching it, as if I had never seen two people kiss. It was a really bizarre thing that was happening. Like, you've factually seen far more erotic content, but there was just something about it. That one moment, spoiler alert, I mean, it's not really a spoiler alert, but spoiler alert for the sex scene. That one moment when... Harry's going down on her and Chris Pine is watching in the mirror. Uh, Keep in mind, I had no idea really what was going on. So I was only awake for those moments. I was like, I didn't know up until this moment that one of my fantasies is for a guy to be going down on me with Chris Pine watching. But (laughs) (laughs) add that to the list. No, literally add that to the list. You know, it's funny because I don't think there are very many artists or celebrities at this age, like at the age we are, where they like can reduce you to like a schoolgirl, but Harry Styles is definitely one of them. Julie, it wasn't just in the movie. That is how I felt the night of the concert, which I don't think we ever even talked about, did we? No, I don't think we did either. But I'm saying that's exactly what I mean. Like, there is something about Harry Styles. There's a lot of celebrities where you're like, oh my god, they are so hot. There's not many that give you that feeling of just being like a young girl, like fantasizing about a boy. I really felt when I was at that concert, like if I was the type of person or was in middle school, which this was just never me, to have posters on my wall, I'd be putting one up. Like I'd be concerned about my mom being pissed about the paint on my wall being ripped off when I took it off. Like that was the length that I was willing to go while watching him just zoom around that fucking stage. I'm not saying I would have taken down the Bieber wall in replacement, but I would have definitely thrown up a Harry Styles wall as well. there's just something about the way he moves, the way he interacts with the crowd. It was really an emotional experience for me. When we were at the Harry Styles concert, if you've been, you like can understand the configuration of the stage or if you've seen TikToks of it. But basically we were at Madison Square Garden and the stage is a square in the middle. So Harry goes to each side of the stage when he's performing And every single time Harry would come over in our direction of the stage, I would look over and Emma was putting on lip gloss. I was like, he is not going to see you. (laughs) She's not exaggerating. It's true. And and you want to know something? None less than my Addison Rae lip oil. (laughs) Hey, all my Addison Rae. Hey, all my Addison Rae lip quip. It's so good. (laughs) No, but you know something? I know he wasn't going to, but I do think there's power in living as if he may. Just be prepared, because what if what if there just so happened to be someone behind us with a giant sign that he was drawn to and then started reading? I'd be in his line of vision, and you just got to stay prepared. Did I not say that to you when we left? I was like, you always want to stay ready. If you stay ready, you never have to get ready. I mean, listen, I've never not shaved my legs for a concert, so I can understand. That's what I got. Exactly perfect metaphor to being in like ninth grade shaving before a Bieber concert. That was the exact energy at Harry. Exact energy. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. This isn't necessarily breaking news because you can't really get a good read in the photos. And a lot of the articles are saying that they're just friends. But we did want to mention Trevor Noah and Dua Lipa being seen last week. They were having dinner at Miss Lily's in the city. And then after, there's a photo of them on the street kind of hugging, maybe a kiss on the cheek, maybe a kiss on the lips. You can't really tell. I just think it's worth noting. Apparently, they're just friends, may not be anything, but I do think it's worth discussing. I think it is too. I have to be honest, I didn't even realized that him and Minka Kelly had officially broken up. Yeah, so they split in May. They had been dating since August 2020. I don't know exactly what happened there, but they were always, I mean, do you think it's fair to say that they were always a little bit low-key? Like, I don't think it's shocking that we hadn't realized that they had broken up because it's not like they were overly public. No, they were definitely more low-key. And I think that there was another period prior to the May breakup where they had broken up and then briefly gone back together and then I guess broke it up again. So I think my timeline was just a little off. What I think is interesting about this is that this was on Wednesday night, September 28th. And then on Thursday, that's when Trevor made the announcement that he'll be leaving The Daily Show, which is like a pretty big deal. Obviously, it's something that he had been planning for. So maybe I'm just projecting because I I feel I'm very much like this. But if it were me and the next day I was making this very big announcement, this huge kind of change in my career path that I was opening up to the world, I think who I chose to spend my time with the night before would be a big deal. Not to say it had to be a romantic interest, but clearly they're not like acquaintances. To me, that's a good friend. I feel like that's something you were going to want to talk through, something you're digesting before the rest of the world knows, but that could just be a me thing that I'm projecting onto him. No, I don't think it's a you thing specifically. I think everybody kind of felt that way because that announcement about him leaving The Daily Show came as a shock to everybody. Like that was not anything that was even remotely expected of him. And so- for those pictures to go viral from the night before to that really big announcement coming the next day, it was like overload. Well, yeah. I mean, just to discuss that for a second, kind of as a side note, apparently it came as a shock to a lot of people, even in the inner circle. Like this is from The Hollywood Reporter. I just want to read this one paragraph. Noah stunned Comedy Central and Paramount execs Thursday night with his announcement that he would be leaving the show after a seven-year run. Sources say that Chris McCarthy, the Paramount exec who oversees Comedy Central, MTV, and a slew of other linear cable networks and staffers with the show and higher up at the conglomerate didn't find out until Noah's announcement that the host planned to leave The Daily Show. What's more, McCarthy had lunch with Noah on Wednesday to discuss his future on the late night show, but the host gave no indication he was going to announce his departure a day later. And then this is what he said on air. He said, quote, I feel like it's time. I spent two years of the pandemic in my apartment, not on the road. And when I got back out there again, I realized that there's another part of my life that I want to carry on exploring. I miss learning other languages. I miss going to other countries and putting on shows. I miss being everywhere and doing everything. Which honestly, I I happen to think he's very talented at what he does. But if I'm him, I totally get that move. Like, I think that the commitment to being a late night show is a lot for someone that doesn't need to do it financially. Like he is at the point in his life when he can make his money other ways. And I think probably he really desires having that freedom, which I can't blame a person for. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that's what he loves, like the touring aspect of it, being on the road, live shows. Like I completely understand that. And also 
when you have a situation like a pandemic where that's kind of taken from you without choice, I can understand the desire to want to return to that normalcy. Totally, totally. I just imagine like backstage, if they're, if what they're saying is correct, and even staffers at the show had no idea, they're just watching it like everyone else and he makes that announcement. That's wild. No, that's crazy. It's crazy, I know. Also, I feel like we've been doing this every week, an update on the Leo and Gigi situation. Apparently they were seen together at Paris Fashion Week and she was seen arriving in her hotel around 10 and then Leo was photographed leaving that hotel around 1 a.m. This is happening. Like, there's just no way it's not. Oh, this is really happening. And I love it happening during Paris Fashion Week. I know. It feels very fitting. It feels very fitting for the both of them. Like, I can't even explain it, but this just feels like such good Hollywood, real celebrity hookups. Leo being seen leaving a Paris hotel room at 1 a.m. during Paris Fashion Week is all you could ever ask for from celebrity drama. It does feel a little bit OG. It feels like, ah, this is what I was reading in Us Weekly in ninth grade. Yes, yes. Like, I want to see this story play out in print. Yes. Like, I want to read that shit when I'm in the checkout aisle of ShopRite. A hundred million percent. I also cannot wait for this to, like, heat up a little bit more. Like, of course, we're now being, like, satiated by these little glimpses and spottings out at a club. I can't wait till we get, like, a real paparazzi shot of them going to Giorgio Baldi together, them being spotted kissing in New York on the street. Like that is the shit that I live for. That's exactly what I was going to say. A Giorgio Baldi photo a la Kim and Pete leaving when she's in the black gloves. Can you imagine, like let's say six months from now, Em, a picture of Gigi, Leo, and her baby at the beach, like hanging out? I was about to say stroller in hand, but I don't know if I honestly am thinking more in terms of like, are they having lunch at Nobu Malibu and the stroller is just next to the table? Or is it the type of situation where she's walking in the city and he's walking next to her? Oh my God. I don't know, but I would just die for either. Yeah. That is, that's some content I'm interested in. Uh, Interested in does not even explain it. Like it feels so OG. You're right. The idea of the internet bullying Leo into dating somebody who's 27 is obviously inherently hilarious. Take that aspect of it aside. I think that I would be really excited about them as a couple, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's different levels of excitement that you have with celebrity couples. Some is like, oh, wow, I, I think this is it. I think this is endgame. And it makes so much sense, which honestly... Not to rewrite history is exactly how I felt about A-Rod and J-Lo. And looking back, I can't believe I ever felt that way. But then there are the some where it's like, I'm not thinking about the long game at all, but this is really fun for the moment. And that's my level for them. It's like, this is really fun for the moment. And I love six months of this. I don't regret feeling that way about J-Lo and A-Rod. I don't regret it. Like it's really how we felt at the time. And I understand how we arrived at that thought process. It's just looking back there's no way that J-Lo was going to go for that. Like, yeah, I, I still fully get it in terms of A-Rod. And I think that if he had his choice today, he'd still be with her. But to me, it's like, there's no way she was down for that. I think that what it is, is that I stand by the fact that they made perfect sense as a couple. Like to me, that coupling and what they were in the beginning, I, I will not take away the fact that it just made sense. I think the area where I was a little too presumptuous with them was the assumption that A-Rod could like fully change. Like, I think I gave A-Rod as a person way too much credit during the course of that relationship. And the way that it ended was like, okay, yeah, like he's not that person. Like the person that we thought he was during this relationship is just not who he is. But in the beginning, it seems like he was really headed in the right direction. So I can't say I was shocked when it went down in the way that it did, but I don't regret or like, feel silly about thinking that relationship was something that was like, wow, this makes sense. Well, also in our defense, I think that we were watching how seamlessly it appeared that they were blending their families, which is a really big deal. I mean, you don't do that with someone unless you really envision a future. And they did, they were engaged. It was fully the plan. The better question, I guess, is, was it always going to be Ben Affleck? Like, was this, I don't want to say destined to fail, but was that relationship you know, never actually going to be endgame because Ben Affleck was always going to be around the corner. I don't know. It depends, I guess, your belief system. I don't know either because it's one of those things where 
until they were together, I would have never, ever had that thought process. It's not like a relationship where every single time JLo didn't get it right with the person that she was with, it was like, well, because it's Ben Affleck. Once they were together and now that they're married, I think that I have that thought process in retrospect or want to have that thought process where it's like, well, that's why. But no, I don't know for sure that that was the reason. And I can't say confidently that it was, but I kind of hope so. I do kind of hope so. I can't lie to you. That's kind of the path that I would like to go down if I was choosing. I think it just makes the JLo and Ben Affleck story all the more better. Like I love the twist that it adds to that relationship, but I can't say that I necessarily look back at every other relationship she had and like can confidently say like, it was Ben the whole time. Cause I don't know if I can. No, I definitely can't say that. Also, do you remember from a few weeks ago, those paparazzi photos of him? You may not because they weren't necessarily memorable. It's just him walking. He was like doing errands in LA. I think he was picking up his kid from school, but he's in, I don't know, maybe linen pants, like a white t-shirt, a zip up. I'm going to put the link in the description so people can have a visual. I'm going to tell you something. Ben Affleck in white Nikes, it's an area I didn't know how interested I was in and real add that to my list. That exact outfit he's wearing is like my ideal outfit on a guy. I feel like you're understanding more and more what I've always said, which is the importance of looking shoes first when you're looking at a guy. I'm still not going to do shoes first, but it's maybe going to be top three now in a way that it never had been previously. Maybe not first, but it's like, it definitely goes into the initial glance. There's something about a crisp white t-shirt with an open sweater. He's like in an open cream sweater. I, I love it. I feel like now we're getting into Diane Keaton territory. A little bit. He's a little bit coastal grandma vibes and I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, there is no better aesthetic. I'm telling you, I am so glad that we all got on board with that because I've been trying to model my life after a Nancy Myers movie for years. And to see that widespread appreciation this summer was just, it was chef's kiss, as they say. Did you feel really seen? Yeah, I felt really seen. And I felt like, I felt like the world was... <laughs> Was, was on to something for a minute there. <laughs> People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com. 
the place to find a place. I want to talk about Haley on Call Her Daddy. Oh, me too. First, people had a lot of thoughts on this interview and I saw some of the takes before I watched it, which I don't necessarily regret because it didn't influence me too much, but it did get me thinking a little bit about the structure of the interview in a way that I don't know if I would have been thinking about it before. Just generally, before we get into it in some of the quotes, do you want to say any top level thoughts? It was interesting to see the way people were reacting before even listening to the interview. I won't say that it influenced my thought on anything that was said, but I definitely didn't go into it with zero opinions. You know what I mean? Well, I think the thing with Haley, and obviously she talks about this in the episode, is that she doesn't typically do interviews. Like she doesn't really like them. And I know recently we've seen more of her because she started the YouTube series, Who's in My Bathroom? And she started doing some more press for road. And she's always done some late night show appearances here and there. But it's atypical that you would get her in this type of long form press. And clearly it was a choice. It was something that she decided on previously. It was something that she clearly felt comfortable enough to do with Alex, which I think is a huge compliment to Alex and a huge deal for her. Like what a cool gift. Yet. But it was very, very curated, which to me, from her, it makes sense. I only want to do something with someone who's willing to ask only the questions that I want to be asked, willing to follow my format. I want to make sure that there's as little room as physically possible for my words to be misconstrued. But I think it was possibly over curated to the point where if you're someone going in that doesn't like her, it could have felt a little bit disingenuous. Right. And I can understand that. I think the thing here is just top level. I don't know if the content that was spoken about in this interview was necessary to be spoken about in the first place. And I found myself getting very defensive of the reaction to it, like defensive of Haley, because on one hand, I can imagine how frustrating it must be to feel like every single day you're being attacked about something and you're being spoken down to about something and you're being reminded of something and you just want to clear your name and clear the air and not really having that ability to. And then on the other hand, I was like, God, I wish she didn't do this. Like the internet has been really reacting so positively to her, like reacting so positively to Rode, to her fashion, to her endeavors that she's been taking on. Like, I feel like they were really turning a corner for her and the people that weren't were never going to be swayed. And they certainly weren't going to be swayed by a sit down interview. And the people that were on board, I think almost especially people who were recently on board, almost had ammunition to then be like, oop, I'm going back. Right, and I struggle with that because I see that very much. And then there's this other side of me that's like, okay, but you're not gonna not speak your truth and not defend yourself just because you feel that like the public may not react the most kindly. Because then you're sitting here with all this internalized frustration, feeling like the only reason you're not doing it is based out of fear of shifting public perception, which also is an healthy spot to be in. Like if you feel that you have this safe platform to be able to say how you're feeling and defend yourself and defend your character, I think every person should have the right to do it. I, and maybe incorrectly, look at it from the angle of like, why put yourself through that? Like to me, I can't say that I think it would be worth it to put myself through more just for the sake of character defense. But then again, how frustrating is it to feel like you have to defend yourself? So I don't know. No, I can only imagine how frustrating it is. And I think she has every right to speak about it. I just... It was one of those things where you know going into it, especially based on how people were reacting before the episode even came out, that she just unfortunately was putting herself into a no-win situation. Yeah, and I wonder if there was anything structurally that could have been done to change that. What I mean by that is I saw a lot of feedback saying, you know, clearly Alex and Haley sat down ahead of time and decided what was fair game, what wasn't, what message she was trying to get across, which if I'm Haley or if I'm any celebrity coming on a podcast, I want the host to receive me in that way. So I put no fault to either of them at all. But the majority of the episode was focused on the Selena stuff. There was a little bit of Justin's sex stuff at the end. There was a little bit about her as a celebrity in general, but so much of it was focused on the hate that she gets and and the Selena drama. And I wonder if it was maybe insulated a little bit more with some other questions about Road, about her business endeavors, about just her personally, if it would have felt less jarring maybe or less obvious that that was the goal. I don't know the answer to that, but I've just been consuming a lot of takes and it's it's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was definitely structured, or at least via promo, it was definitely structured as I'm talking about this once and for all and never bringing it back up again. And I can understand the point of frustration that you must get to to feel the need to do that. And so 
that's the part where I was like, I almost felt like as I was listening to her speak, I wanted to redirect her to the corner of the internet that I was consuming rather than what she clearly was, which is like, clearly the comments and the Selena stuff and the constant criticism of her marriage and the idea that, you know, when she says that it's hard work, then it means that the marriage is ending is like really, really getting to her. But there's the other side of the internet, which I would say is equal, if not more, that's like so on board with them, thinks they're such an iconic couple, thinks everything Haley is doing is just fucking cool. And I almost wanted to like stop her while she was speaking and be like, I understand all of this is happening, but I need you to redirect your attention to the part of the internet that like is so the opposite of that in order for you to really understand like how the masses feel. Well, yeah. And if I'm her, if I'm any celebrity, probably it is the quote haters that scream the loudest. Like if she's going through her DMs, I'm sure she gets a lot more hate DMs than kind ones. Not because there's more haters that exist, but it's unfortunate that I think a lot of people do feel like they want to voice their negative opinions more than their positive ones. So I totally understand if I'm her feeling inundated by just mean shit. I just think to your point, there would have been a lot of power in taking a moment to like recognize the impact that she's had positively, even if it's just on wardrobe and and fashion and lifestyle and the way that people have kind of really been drawn to her in that regard, because it's almost a cult following. And I, I do think some of it was lost in this. That's how I feel too. And I also think that if you are somebody who's kind of indifferent on Haley, but maybe your TikTok algorithm is one that favors her rather than, you know, bashes her. I think that if you're watching this interview, you're like, what are you talking about? Like it almost had that air if you don't know enough of the background and you haven't seen how constant it really has been for the past couple of years. Because I think for Haley, like you said, it screams the loudest. But I think if you're just a normal person kind of consuming TikTok content, that's almost in the background. And so if you're somebody who's really indifferent and doesn't really care one way or another, if you see Haley doing this interview where she's talking about all the hate she gets, but you're constantly seeing so much positivity about her, it's almost like, wait a second, like are you? kind of just saying this, even though of course she's not. You know what I mean there? No, I totally know what you mean. And listen, there were a lot of people listening that were very hyper aware of what has been going on and the way that she's been treated and they fully got it. I'm sure though, there were people that were a little bit confused because it was the main focus of the interview with very little warm up. Like there wasn't a lot of foreplay. It kind of just went into what's been going on and there was some context required. I guess my two biggest things are like one, I can never fault someone that finally decides that they want to open up, regardless of whether I agree with the stylistic choice. I think there's a lot of power in that and I'll always respect it. And I think if I'm her, that was probably a huge weight off my shoulders. Like net, net, even with the feedback, she's probably happy about it because she spoke her truth. I do think that one line when Alex asked her, you know, if, if Justin or Selena has ever directly address the people doing the bullying, which also interesting to note, they never directly said Selena. It was always his ex or her, which could have been for legal reasons, but she said no. And then she said, what I will say is that she's been in the industry much longer than I have. And maybe there's something that she knows about, like it wouldn't fix anything. She doesn't owe me anything. Neither of us owe anybody anything except respect. I respect her a lot, which I think was her way of saying like, I'm definitely not going to say a bad word about her and I don't want any hate to go towards her. However, let me once and for all say no, as far as I'm concerned, she's never explicitly called it out, which is probably something she's been wanting to say for a while. You know, it's funny. I don't think she's ever explicitly called it out, but I do think there have been times where she has said for people to stop. Like, I think that there has been times where she has taken to an Instagram story and said, like, please don't do anything on my behalf. And even after this interview came out, she said something about like, expressing kindness and how her brand is all about kindness. And I don't think she's ever come out with anything that's like, please leave my ex's new wife alone. I don't stand for that. Like she's never called out Haley by name. She's never called out Justin by name, but she has definitely in the past put things out where she's like called for people to be kinder. So, and, and everyone knows what she means by that. For sure. And I, I don't think any part of Selena like gets off on this. I really don't. That's why it's such an interesting thing when fans go so hard for a person that probably wouldn't have even wanted this. Like there are some celebrities that are inherently just very mean spirited. 
and probably do really like their quote enemies, or this isn't even an enemy situation, but uh, a person that they maybe aren't on the best terms with feeling really attacked. They'll never admit it, but you know that they like it. I just don't think Selena Gomez is, is one of those. Like I truly think she is someone who has gone through it with her mental health. I can't imagine that she gets any joy from seeing someone else treated that way. I don't think so either. And I really think more than that, she doesn't get any joy by this continuous association with Justin. This is the thing that I've never gotten about like hardcore Selena fans or like hardcore Jelena fans is that even the person that's the most obsessed with the idea of like Justin still in love with her, like they were the, you know, they were the it couple, they were engaged, like all of these stuff that they've kind of made up over the years every single one of them still acknowledges how toxic that relationship was. So it's never made sense to me, this overwhelming desire to prove that like, that's who he really loves. Right. Because of course he loves her. He'll always love her on some level. When you go through that much with another person, you're always bonded to them, but it didn't serve either of them. Like it wasn't like she was doing her best when she was with him either. It was clearly that they were both so much better off when not together. And that's the part of it that I, I can never wrap my head around. Yeah, me either. That that always confuses me. Also, the ending when they talked about sex for a few minutes, like, let me be very clear. Any information that Haley wants to give about her sex life with Justin, I will receive, obviously. But because it was so not the focus of the interview, nor did I expect for it to be, it was kind of just thrown in there. So it was like really deep conversation about how the hatred has impacted her life on a daily basis. And then like, but also I really like doggy style. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I just got a little bit of whiplash there. Yeah, it did feel a little thrown in, but I was also happy to receive it. I'm never going to be mad. I'm never going to complain. It was, she said, she really gave just a few things. She said that there's a few positions they like. She really likes doggy. And then when asked if she could only choose one, him fingering her, him going down on her for the rest of their lives, I think she said, you know, it's hard because it's a combination of both typically, which is exactly what I would have expected from him. But nice to have that confirmation sex tapes, I would just absolutely die to see. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I cannot even tell you how relieved I was when I watched last week's Kardashians that that was the episode that we were off for and not the premiere. Because if we had been on for that episode and off for the first Tristan one, I would have been distraught. Like no dramatics. I genuinely would have been distraught because the extent to which I wanted to dissect every moment of the premiere in contrast to the way that I pretty much have nothing to say about this episode number two is is stark. It was the perfect episode to have off for. Not even comparatively to the premiere, just in general. Like when I watched that episode, I was like, thank God, this is the one that we have off. Obviously, if you've been listening for a while now, you know we ride for the Kardashians. Like I will consume any piece of content that they put out, possibly with a less critical lens than a lot of other people would, because generally speaking, I'm just happy to be there, even if it's not superb. This episode, honest to God, Julie, was I think one of the worst episodes of 
keeping up with the Kardashians ever. And maybe that's dramatic. And maybe it comes from the fact that I was watching it in a house with people that are not diehard Kardashians fans that were honestly really excited to watch together because they know how enthusiastic I typically am. And I was so like disappointed that this was the showing that they got. I found myself after apologizing, being like, I swear to you guys, if you watch last week, you would get why I watch every week. Like it was always like, I can't keep defending you guys. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being dramatic. I just felt it was entirely fluff. And typically I will take the fluff because at least we get to see the houses or something, but there's something about Kendall and Chloe at a brain map that was like not doing it for me. It didn't do it for me either. That one scene of Kim and Chloe talking in Kim's bed was enough that I didn't find the episode to be painful, but yeah, it was just boring. But that one scene was like, okay, thank you for at least giving us that. Well, the whole that whole scene honestly requires a little bit of breaking down because in it, Kim is saying, you know, I thought that Tristan was going to propose to you on Valentine's Day. And then I saw him, you didn't say anything. And I said, what happened? Chloe didn't call. And he said, oh, she didn't tell you. I proposed back in December. So on the show, what you're getting is that apparently he proposed December, 2020. She said no, because according to her, she wanted to feel proud to be able to say I'm engaged. And that wasn't something she was proud of. It wasn't something that she wanted to scream from the rooftops. But then after the episode came out, sources confirmed that he did propose to her February, 2021. And she did say yes, meaning that apparently they were engaged at the time that he got Marilyn Nichols pregnant in March, right after his 30th birthday that she threw the party for. This timeline makes no sense to me. Like every single time she talks about something with Tristan, I end up more confused because as far as we were concerned, they weren't officially together. Like the way that the show made it seem last season is that they were still you know, doing this, like, we're best friends thing. We kind of are co-parenting and almost living together, but we're not fully together, but like we spend all of our time together. And last season, she said, like, around October is when they officially got together. So where is an engagement in all of this? Where is an official get back together? Was he cheating on her officially when he got Marilee Nichols pregnant at after his birthday that she threw for him? Like, I feel like I'm going crazy trying to piece together a timeline that it almost feels like everyone's like, Oh, well, you know how they were. Like, no, I don't know how they were. I want the full details. I want the full breakdown. I want the full timeline. No, I know there's a lot of implied knowledge here, which we really don't have because the timeline is very blurry. But I want to just backtrack for a second because what they were saying in this scene was basically December, 2020, he proposed to Chloe. Chloe says no. And then what we found out after the episode apparently is that in February, 2021, after initially when he was going to do it on Valentine's Day, he did propose, she did say yes. We don't know if that's confirmed or not. It's been confirmed by sources, but that hasn't come from Chloe's mouth. But if you remember, there was a few months there, let's say February, March, April, when she was wearing that massive diamond ring. And we were like, if this isn't an engagement ring, it's something because this is a lot. And it wasn't just being seen in paparazzi photos. She was posting photos with it. And then I think it was in May of 2021 when the cheating scandal with that model, Sydney Chase had come out. So it wasn't Mara Lee, but there was that. And then after you didn't see her with the ring and there were all those headlines. It's like Chloe Kardashian takes off ring amid cheating rumors, which was the first cheating rumors. That's before we even knew about Mara Lee. So there's a hypothetical scenario that exists where they got engaged in February. She wore the ring for a few months. The first cheating rumors about this other woman, Sydney came out. She takes off the ring. Then they're maybe no longer engaged. Then she finds out about Mara Lee. Then she finds out about the baby. Like that's also a legitimate possibility to consider. Maybe it's just because I'm pretty sick still, but trying to follow that is just, it made me more dizzy than I can explain. No, it's confusing. And it's because we never really got that clear explanation of exactly how they fell back into the swing of things, which is something we've been wondering about even last season. Yeah, it's just a lot of information that's completely unknown and confusing. And obviously to Chloe, it makes sense. And like, it's her life and it's what she lived. So she doesn't feel this overwhelming need to explain it in a way that makes sense to the public. But I would appreciate it if maybe we went through each individual month and just put a little X or check mark next to it based on if you guys were together or if you weren't and what kind of place you were in then. Because she does say when she's talking about it, like at the height of our relationship, at the best place we had ever been in is when he slept with Marilee Nichols. So in theory, when she says the best place we ever were in, does that mean they were engaged? Because according to this potential timeline, that would track an engagement late February, 
happiest place ever in March. She throws in this 30th birthday and then the cheating, which again, you know, just contributes to all of our, our thoughts about him as a person, but makes a little bit more sense trying to contextualize where she was coming from. Yeah. I'm not prepared to say like 100%, I think they were engaged, but based on what's being described and the sources information, yeah, I think it it would potentially make sense. I don't know. It is crazy though to watch an entire episode on a week that we're off and not be like chomping at the bit to discuss it when we're back. Like I, I honest to God have nothing else to really say. Yeah, Kylie gave birth, but we didn't see much of it. Like, I, I don't know. I just, and the scene with Courtney and Travis in the Palm Springs house, it, it, I, I don't know what happened to me. I really felt like I, my body was taken over by someone who doesn't get the appeal of the show. It's never happened to me before. Like, I don't know if it was my environment watching it around people that also didn't fully get it, but I was like, there is no goddamn way you're going to give us that Emmy award-winning piece of content last week and then try to tell me that, you know, Kendall and Chloe getting a little bit of a brain scan is supposed to satiate us. There's just no way. Like, <laughs> don't do us like that is how I felt. I know, I agree. But I, I will say, I think we have a lot of good left to come. I'm very hopeful for the rest of the episodes. There's always got to be a dud. Oh, of course. But wait, <laughs> just to be very clear, I'm not turning on you here. Like, I, I still live and breathe this. I just think it's very rare to say, you know what? I actually didn't enjoy a Kardashian piece of content. And so when that happens, I want to say it because we never say it because I never feel that way. And I really felt that way. I know. I know. And I'm, I'm sure it's um, appreciated to hear your honesty about it. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to talk about this Kim SEC thing. So... Basically, Kim was fined by the SEC and she agreed to pay $1.26 million in penalties to settle charges that she illicitly touted a cryptocurrency token on Instagram without disclosing how much she was paid for the promotion. So basically, in June of 2021, she had posted an Instagram story kind of inviting her followers to invest in Ethereum Max. And in it, she had disclosed hashtag ad. But there's a law that requires celebrities, quote, to disclose to the public when and how much they're paid to promote investing in securities. So she had been paid $250,000 to promote it. She never explicitly said that. Um, so I guess according to this case, she didn't admit to any wrongdoing, but she paid the $1.26 million and she agreed that she won't advertise anything crypto related for the next three years. Which I know she's not the first person, like this has happened before, I think to Floyd Mayweather. I know there's some other celebrities. To me, it's like, you are Kim, right? You can make money from so many different things in addition to your own business ventures like Skims and Skin and all these other million and billion dollar businesses. Is it really worth it to invest in a crypto token that you aren't even that passionate about? Like to me, there's just no way. I, I, when I see shit like this, I'm like, Kim, this you are so much better than this. This has big giveaway energy. It has huge giveaway energy. That's exactly what I was going to say. It always just confuses me when she's in on something like this. Like, there's just no way that you need the 250K that badly. There's absolutely no shot, especially when the payoff wasn't even worth it because you ended up paying more in fines. No, I know. It's so bizarre. I mean, I remember seeing that Instagram story before I even knew that technically not everything was to code and just being thoroughly confused even then. Like, and I still thought that it was legal. She was doing hashtag ad. I had seen other people doing that, but I was like, wow, this feels kind of off brand. Totally. I know the counter argument is like, okay, but if you were offered 250 grand to post one Instagram story, wouldn't you do it regardless of how much money you have? And it's like, I think the answer is yes, until you get to a certain point when you take other things into consideration. And that's the thing. It's like, not to say she doesn't. Kim turns down stuff all the time. It's not like she's back in that other phase of her life when she's saying yes to everything because she feels like she doesn't know if it'll come again. She's at maybe the most selective she's ever been. That's why when things like this slip through the cracks, it's both really confusing. And like, if you were somebody who gets disappointed, potentially disappointing. But at the same time, there's a part of it that's almost humanizing. It's like, okay, so you still fuck up. To me, there's just no way that she needs that money. Like to me, there's no way doing an ad of that sort is even worth it. Even if everything was 100% kosher there, that's how I feel. Even if she had disclosed how much she made and did hashtag ad and everything was fine, it's still just so weird to me for her to do that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I don't know either. Those are some things where it's like, you think you know a person. Like, I feel so yes. generally speaking clear clear on on everything about her. And then, you know, things like that happen that, that kind of confuse me. I, I also want to say before we end the episode, I know this isn't news, but 
I'd like a round of applause for Kylie motherfucking Jenner at Paris Fashion Week because she brought it. Every single moment she brought it. And these are the times when Kylie leans into her celebrity and the power of her celebrity that it's it takes your breath away when she really leans in and she reminds you like why she is Kylie Jenner. Because when she goes into hiding for a moment there, you can almost forget. And then she appears like this and it's like, God damn. Em, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And there was something about her and Chloe doing it together. I just, I was loving every single thing that she was selling. Me too. And that's how I feel about Kim during Fashion Week too. Kim and Milan with the blonde hair, with the short and the side part did something to me. Like that changed me for forever. But Kim reminds you more frequently. Kim never, I'll put it like this, Kim never lets you forget. And I think that Kylie goes through phases where, you know, she's okay to let you forget a little because she knows that when she reminds you, she's going to remind you in a big fucking way. And she did. A million and 10%, a million percent. You're so right. Is there anything else that you want to mention about anything? I think that's it, kid. Okay, well, we will be back on Thursday for Kardashians and Friday for Bravo. And I also, I said this last week, but we were getting some DMs being a little bit confused. So I just want to clarify, we don't have the screeners for Kardashians. So we watched the episode like 7 a.m. Thursday morning. And then we, you know, Julie pretty much transcribes the whole thing. We start recording around 10 a.m. So the earliest we can get the episodes up on Thursday are like, six or seven we really just record and then do rounds of edits the whole day so i don't i I think some people were under the false understanding that we get the episodes early so we can release it at like 3 a.m on thursday morning i wish we could we just can't do that anymore so just want to set that expectation going in but we love you guys it's so good to be back and we'll see you on thursday So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.